goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that by sharing the stories and advice from people on the other side. This week, we learn from Steph Kajukum, creative director at Translation based in Brooklyn. From her portfolio site, she states she is a small, super foul-mouthed, scrappy, style-obsessed, and slightly emo person with a firm understanding of the power of alliteration. When she was younger, she wanted to be a writer, wrestler, artist, fashion designer, explorer, comedian, and rapper. But she claims a copywriter is the only job that lets her be all seven. Throughout her entire career, she has written ads for excellent agencies and clients, including Ogilvy, where she worked on IBM, Mother, where she wrote for Target, Stella Artois, Virgin Voyages, and Wrangler, and she just recently left McCann World Group to work at Translation. So I'm excited for you to learn from Steph. She is high energy and has fantastic advice. In addition, she will let you know of a new concept she and George Tannenbaum are working on that might shift the portfolio school dynamic. Oh, and last thing, she also lists out unique resources just for you. You can find those on our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. One more time, our Instagram is at Breaking and Entering Pod, all one word. Now, on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual, I'm your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right, Steph Kajukum, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. Did I say your name correctly? Yes, you did. And hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you. You were recommended by George Tannenbaum, correct? Yes. Amazing. And you worked with him a little bit. You guys have a a class that actually is really interesting to me that we'll talk about later. But what's that called? Just right off the bat. Ad House In-House. And that's through Ad House. It's but through it's, ad house, but it's it's kind of like an offset of it. It's it's a new kind of ad school. It's free. It's for people who are trying to break into the industry, who I'm I assume are a lot of your audience, but mm-hmm. people trying to break into the industry having a hard time. They don't have, you know, the portfolio, they don't have the network, they can't afford advertising school, or they're mm-hmm. kind of making a weird transition into a new career. It's people that are really trying to break in, having a hard time. We give them a real client real briefs and at the same time teach them like real world ad stuff so that they can get their books together and produce some work and get some work. Amazing. And make some money. What was that last part? And make some money. So there it's a, it's an ad class where you get paid to learn. Exactly. exactly. That's unheard of. How long is this program usually? So I mean we only did one. <laughs> we only did yep. one and it was an 8 week course. Eight-week course, one class, eight-week course. Got it. And you get paid, potentially. You get paid $250 a class, which, is, which isn't, which is oh my God, but it's still, it's a free class and you're still getting paid for the work you're doing. Tell me how that works again. So we have a client. So the client, true, it, it's Globit. It's this huge tech company, but the CMO of that company is a former colleague of ours. We worked all together at Ogilvy. So the client mm. truly... His name is Todd. He's amazing. He sends us the briefs. We brief the students. They they work on the work while we're teaching them ad stuff. And mm-hmm. then they present to the client. And then at the end of it, the goal is to have work bought in 
and have mm-hmm. work produced. And that's kind of where we're at now. I don't want to say too much, but but that's kind of the process. Wow. Interesting. And it's in th- you did one class. So or we know. did one one course. One session. Yeah, exactly. And interesting. And how many is it one creative brief for the for the eight weeks? What are the, is it working on one, two? Perfect. That's so interesting. I've actually I haven't heard of that. And I don't I don't know if that's that, that sounds like a new concept to me in the 130 plus episodes. I haven't heard of anything like that. Love to hear that. That's why that's what I wanted to do. I mean, George came to me with the idea because he just is one brilliant, but two, he just saw two problems, right? There are people that want to break into the industry and can't. They can't, like I said, it's like ad school is expensive. Not everyone mm-hmm. can go. If you don't have a portfolio, you can't get work. But it's like mm-hmm. one of those like borrow things, the snake eating its own tail. You can't get work, but you can't build a portfolio. It's, so what yep. do you do? You don't have a network because you're starting out. So he's like, let's help those people. But at the same time, companies are having a big issue training creatives. It's like they don't have the the resource, resources for it. They don't have the time for it. So he's, can we help companies train creatives and help creatives break in? So I that's like kind of the start. I want to poke at this though, because I am curious. Because mm-hmm. is it is it art art directors and copywriters only? So for the most part, I mean, which is fine. Want to be art directors and copywriters? Yeah, it's a creative yeah. class. Yeah, like we're yeah, starting, and George and I. That's what we know. So we so you're not with, having like an account. You're, I mean, and natural like that doesn't make it doesn't necessarily make well, that much sense. As the media, a person who worked in media who wants to be a creative joined the class. So he that oh. that's one of those things where I was saying like it's like people who also are making career transitions and they're like, of how course. do I how do I do that? And then we had another student who was a, a producer, a digital producer, and now he's a digital creative producer. He's mm-hmm. got the and after taking the course and his idea is actually one of the ones that are that we're going forth with gotcha so it's it's for people that are looking to break into a creative advertising-esque role exactly now all right this is why my question is sometimes these programs are like these briefs like and i don't foresee this being an issue with you and george sometimes these 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 programs they might not offer the most creative briefs or they do and they you know but they're they could be quick sometimes and they're moving fast that the the work that people create the output might not necessarily be book worthy so what are your mm-hmm. thoughts to that say that that's our job me and george's job mm. to push the creative and the client and i think todd he's he's creatively ambitious so we weren't worried about the client's perspective on it and worried mm. about briefs because we know what his goal is and we know him like we've worked with him but i'd say even I even when there are bad briefs in like real world work, I feel like it's the creative director's, you know, job yep. to push on it, to push on it and make it better, to find the nugget or to tell the client or, you know, the strategist, like how can we how can we shape this differently so we can get more creative results? I love that. And I and I think also a recurring theme on this, uh, the one piece of advice that I like to go over too is even when you are entry or you're an intern or even when you're just creating work on the side for your book, the smaller tasks that might not seem super creative or might not come up with creative output, you can take those those opportunities if you're starting out and and put in all the work that nobody else is willing to do. And if you are able to make something creative, then you're that much better for it. And then you'll get much more recognition because of it. 
Exactly. And I'd say too, like sometimes like the briefs that do seem the most boring because they're so specific. That's kind of where you can have the most fun because it's like, how can I prove people wrong? Like, how can I show people that this thing that is supposed to be boring can be really, mm. really interesting? Love it. Already great stuff. But let's talk about who you are, Steph, to to understand where, where this all came from, because it's such a great idea. But now we need some, we need to add some credibility to to the. So you are a creative director at Translation, which is an yeah. interesting agency. Now that one is over in, where are you at? Brooklyn? Yes, it's in Dumbo. Dumbo. Okay. And is that where you're living or are you working remote? No, I live in Chelsea, but I do go in. I actually, I don't go in much, but I'm supposed to go in more and I will. <laughs> Fair enough. Great. So Translation is a great agency. We had Anthony William. Williams on the podcast a while ago. Nice. He's great. He's, uh, I think, an account supervisor. Yeah, he's my account guy on a project I'm working on. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to talk to him about that. Yeah, he had some, you both have great energy. So translation must either give energy or attract energy. That's mm -hmm. good. But yeah, tell us about translation. Translation's great. So I just started about four months, four or five months ago, what pulled me in was one, Jason, Jason Campbell, who's the head creative. My interview with him was like, great. It was like no other interview I've ever had before. It was truly like us getting to know each other and him trying to understand how I think as an individual outside of work, which obviously influences a lot of the way that you think during work, but it wasn't work questions, if that makes sense. Sure. Help us paint that picture. Yeah. It was just like asking me about like my background and just what are like personal achievements that I've, uh, personal goals I've achieved, like when it comes to like my family or my friends, it was just asking me like things like questions that got to the core of like my life philosophy and like it felt therapeutic. Like I even mm. came to realizations where I was like, oh, I never said that out loud. It wow. just felt so, I don't know, so like personal in a good way. Mm. Like that seems like a person that I trust and I I want as a leader, if that makes sense. It's so important. It's so important to 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 have that, I don't know, trust or, or you know, the, the understanding with your boss for sure to get to know each other on that level is great, especially early on, because it's a fit. It's so important for who you're working for. So a lot of these times, these agencies, they have the same names all the time, but they shift around. People exactly. move and and you don't realize that when you're first starting out, you, you know, you know, the big names in your city and we all know the big names, but people move and cultures change. So it's so important to get to know who you're working with, as opposed to going to those large names just because they're large names. Exactly. And knowing that the person who's at the top cares about the people, which it, it was like super clear to me that he, he does. And then mm -hmm. also like my, my direct bosses, they're a team named Alex Little and Carson Jerkshap, but they were at McCann. I never worked with them at McCann, but like they're, I had known of their work. So I knew that the work mm -hmm. would be in a great place because their stuff is award-winning, pushes boundaries, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And then just translation as a whole, the stuff that they've been putting out or that they were putting out when I was interviewing, I was super impressed with. It felt like really fresh mm -hmm. and it felt like actually true to creating culture. Like a lot of 
I feel like every everyone's like, oh, we make culture culture shaping work, but I, I felt like they actually do. And there was a lot of opportunity to create traditional ads, but also stuff that's a little new. Anything stand out either like when you were in that hiring process or that you've recently seen there that comes to mind? And I hate to put you on the spot, but. No, I mean, I feel like this is an obvious one, but the Beats by Dry, You Love Me work, that was mm-hmm. amazing. It won all the awards. It was beautiful. It got to a truth about, you know, where we were or where we are. I love the NBA lane stuff, like a totally yep. different energy. Like it was, it's fun. It's lively. It celebrates fandom. It's, it's, it was just Is so, that the 75th one? Yes. Yeah, and they so have a series of it too, you know, yeah. so with the one. No, those are great. Uh, I think. And I, I, I think Bill Russell was in that one. I don't know exactly if he just passed away, but just representing the history of the NBA and that culture and, and mm-hmm. seeing all those people come together was, was so fun. Amazing. How many people work there? I want to say, oh my God, you're, I don't know. You, this you only have been there for four months now. So you're, this is probably not accurate. <laughs> you don't even have to answer. I'm just guessing. That that's fine. No, yeah, that's fine. And I think Anthony spoke to that too. So, but it's a relatively smaller agency compared to McCann, where you were at before that, right? Yes, yes. McCann's yes. like a behemoth, correct? It is. Yes. So, were you ready to go over to the smaller? What made you leave? Because you were there at McCann for two, two and a half years. What triggered that that leave? And was it because you wanted to get to a smaller, more nimble shop, more creative work? What was what what was going on in your mind? Yeah, I think for me, what I was looking for was more of a challenge and more of a place that I could help shape. Like, I love where translation is at right now because they're growing. They're growing Mm -hmm. at a pivotal moment, and I want to be a part of where it goes next. And I was super excited about the opportunity to do that, you know, to be able to create work at a place that is is truly defining itself and growing and to be able to shape, you know, the teams, like the structure, like that to actually feel like, like you said, I love McCann and my work, my time there, I am super grateful for it. I had an amazing time there, but it is huge. So it is harder for a creative director or someone who was at my level to kind of to shape things, you know, it's, it's yeah. a global agency. So I, I was really, I was really excited and intrigued about that when it came to translation. And of what's course, your, the work. what's your vision now? So you want, now that you have the opportunity of translation, what are your goals? I know you're just getting started there, but like, what's, what's your vision? What do you want to do? Yeah. I think for me, my vision is to create ads that aren't just TV and aren't just traditional media. Like I think a lot of my, my favorite work that I've done is the work I did with actually George at Ogilvy for IBM. And it was a lot of weird tech stuff. And I think we had such a great opportunity because we were working for IBM. We had direct access, you know, developers. We were able to make like weird things. Like we did a a tech dress for the Met Gala. We did like weird art installations with AI. So like creating advertising, quote unquote, that isn't Mm -hmm. just, you know, a banner, a TV ad, you know, a print ad, creating something beyond that, that Mm -hmm. helps people actually experience what we're trying to tell them, the product or the brand stands for or does that's what i'm excited about and that's what i really want to do at translation nice exploring interesting mediums outside the norm i love that exactly. hmm. what do you do as a creative director what what's your team look like 
So right now, I just finished one project that's actually launching tomorrow, but my team is pretty small. <laughs> it was like... Wait, can we me- talk about the launch? Or, I mean, because this will probably be posted in a couple of weeks. Will we be able to talk yeah. about it? We can talk about it. Yeah, it's, yeah, because it'll come out to... I mean, it airs tonight, and then the launch is tomorrow. Um, okay, I believe then you'll be good. And I'll get back to you if like they're like, you can't talk about it yet, but sure, I think sure. we should. But yeah, so the work that's launching tomorrow, it's for T and it's for their platform that's called Dream in Black. And it's it's comprised of two things. They're rising future makers, and that's where they go to HBCUs and they pick out, you know, students who are excelling and really just amplify them and help them out in any way possible. Nice. And then there's a part called Black Future Makers, and it's like Black excellence who in people, sorry, Black Future Makers, which are um, pretty much people who are thriving. Tabitha Brown is one of the Black Future Makers. John Legend, I believe, is one of them, but it's people that are really, they've done it. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're going far and they're excelling. But the work that we're, we're launching is called the Black Futures Anthem. But it started because there is this amazing writer at um, translation. He's um, young, raw talent. His name is Kofi Loss. He's an MC. He's a poet. And he created, he wrote this poem that was just like beautiful. And it was all about how Black futures started generations ago. And they're kind of, they're shaped by the people who came before them. So that's what the crux of it is. You'll see like different families and kind of like home photos of the people that made them, some celebrities too. But all against this beautiful poem that that Kofi wrote. But we're super excited about it. It's a 60-second film. And then we have a website where people can create their own 15-second film that has photos of their families. I love that. I'm so excited. That sounds amazing. What a great first project and to be a part of something meaningful, something interesting. You got to love that. So that, that sets the tone for a while, I'm sure. Yeah, like I was super excited. I like got right into it and it was just like it was an honor to be to be a part of this one. Nice. Nice. But you were you you are a writer. Yes. You you when you were ACD or when you were a junior you were a copywriter and so you have that lens. What would you say your your copywriting style leans towards? I guess it depends. I feel like when you're writing for a brand it leans towards the brand. You know what I mean? Because you're always writing. I feel like copywriters are chameleons because you're kind of doing different voices. You know, like yeah. you're you're shifting into the personality of like whomever you're representing. But if I'm going my voice of the way I like to write sure. on my own, it's usually like self-deprecating, a little humorous, a little, a little, you know, goofy. It, it's just me, <laughs> you know? Of course. Do you have yeah. side projects or like blog? I know George obviously has his blog, but do you, what are you doing? Do you do anything on the side to, to express your creativity outside of advertising? Yeah. So I used to, I don't anymore because it just got too, too hard with work, but I used to write for an online fashion magazine. So I'd profile different designers and different creators in, in fashion, beauty and beyond. So that's one, but I don't do it as much anymore, but I, I wish I did. I do a lot of naming, like naming for beauty. A lot of my side work is like fashion stuff <laughs> or fashion awesome. and beauty. Yeah. So naming for different brands and then ad house in-house. I feel like that's kind mm-hmm. of how I'm keeping myself busy. And then yeah. other than that, like, I just do my own little, you know, writing. I do like this 
there's like a Robert Cara like exercise. It's like a thousand words a day. So that's how I try to start my morning. Like just purge right that's in like words. <laughs> but it's like free flowing. You don't have yeah. to like hold yourself up to brief. It's just you've woken what, up. What's that called? It's a thousand words a day. But it's like Robert Caro, who's like uh he wrote like the power broker. He's like a an author, but he wrote a book called Working, and it was just about how he works, like what his process is, and that was one of the things. So I was like, let me borrow that. And I think I might have read it from George or some sort of thought leader. Deliberate creativity is is a, a theory of waking up and having a routine to be creative, which sounds counterintuitive, but practicing the consistency of your whatever your outlet is is so important. It's something that I've held a standard to for my podcast. It's every week we're gonna do this no matter what. And yeah. whether it's great or not, you know, that's okay. But being consistent and forcing that creativity it helps me grow. And helps the podcast grow. So there's a case for that. And it's something that I think is a great recommendation. And I'm not like, oh my God, I have to do this every day. And if I don't do I miss days. You know, like I miss but it's just nice to have it and be like, okay, if I feel stuck, that helps me. Like it helps me get my anxieties out. It helps me get like whatever weird things are kind of blocking me creatively for work. I kind of purge it all out when I'm just doing the thousand words and then I can clear my head and and get to work. Yep. I love it. It's a tool. Use it when you need it. Great. So I think we got a pretty good, obviously we could talk for a long time, but we have a pretty good read on what you, what you're up to. We know translation. We know some recent work you've done. Let's get in the time machine and go back in time and figure out the time. Tell us about the time where you realize, Hey, I want to do advertising as a career. Yeah. I'll say, like, I had no clue what, like, that advertising was a career. I, I Like, when I went to, like, college, when I was doing, like, like my major, I wasn't like, oh, my God, advertising is a thing. It was more, I, I started off as a graphic design major. I had to take, like, a random communications classes just to obviously fill out whatever my criteria. And then I stumbled into an advertising class, and I heard them talking about copywriting, which I had thought, I was like, copywriting, is that, you know, power? Right. It's writing. It was with a lens of visual. It just like completely pulled me in and I switched my major and I I majored in advertising with copywriting as my background. So that's when I knew I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. Did you say you started with graphic design? Yes. Ah, so how'd you go from graphic design to get interested in copywriting? Because I always wrote growing up. So I wrote just for fun. Like my sister, she is like she loved writing growing up and she's a teacher now, but she would literally play teacher with me and like straight up just have me write stories and teach me all these things. So like I wrote growing up just for fun. And then when I was in high school, like I fell in love with graphic design. I started, you know, like I had classes where we used like Corral back then, but like we used all like the graphic design program. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. But then when I found copywriting, I was like, oh, that seems like a way for me to blend the two together. Wow. Okay. So you transferred into copywriting, advertising as an an undergrad? Yeah, it was advertising. I went to Marist. So like they have like communications advertising as you can be. Oh yeah. I'm familiar with Marist. They have a program there and they have a, they have an ad, ad, ad club there that I've reached out to. I was president of the ad club. (laughs) 
Nice. Okay, so yeah, then other involvements while you're a student, then we can go to your present the ad club, which is fantastic. And any internships in college? I interned at Nylon Magazine. Okay. And what'd you do there? I mean, I kind of just, I didn't, Nothing I, much. I tried. It was like, it's a, yeah, it's an internship. Yeah. it was like, I was like making calls, but then they knew I wanted to work at advertising. So then they'd let me do advertorials, which was fun. But most oh, nice. of it was with like a bed planning stuff. You know, if I, if I can go back in time, not that long ago, and I was in my internship, I would just say F it to whatever the responsibilities were. I would go, I don't want to, I would do a, I would get any internship nowadays in advertising, like anywhere close in advertising at like, hopefully an agency that would, that'd be ideal. And whatever they placed me in, I was a media planner intern when I was a, when I was in college, if I had that today, like if I had to go back in time, knowing what I know now, I would just go, okay, yeah, I'm a media planner, but I'm really interested in copywriting. So can yeah. I sit on the copywriting meetings for 40 hours a week and just yeah. like figure that out and just, I bet that's a whole other conversation, but <laughs> I would that's too, but like, I also like, I have no idea. I felt like it was nylon too. So everyone was like, so cool. So I was like super intimidated because it was like, sure. fashion and you know, it was a whole different world, but, but it was, it was fun. So what was your first break in? How did that look? Like, where did you apply to? When was that first job really in advertising? What's the story there? Yeah. So, I mean, after school, I'd say I spent two months just like heavily applying for everything. And I got no bites because it was like, I had no book. I had nothing to show for myself. So like it was, especially as a creative, it's, it's really tough. So I was like, mom, dad, I want to go to portfolio school. And they were like, absolutely not. We just paid for college. You're not doing that. So I was like, cool. But yeah. luckily, my cousin, her, her, my cousin's boyfriend at the time, sister, worked as a receptionist at McGarry Bowen. They were like, you should get that job. I spoke with her. Her name, shout out to Amy Acosta, because she got me my first break in. But she was like, it's the receptionist job. But I'm telling you, like, this is a launch pad. Like, she was moving off the desk to go be a producer, she was like, get in there and, and you can climb. So I did it. So I spent, you know, a year and a half as a receptionist. I worked from 8 a.m. in the morning to 4 p.m. And then from there, I just kind of bounced around, learned how agencies worked. Because like from college, all I knew was like creative. But I, I had no clue how creative worked with anything else, all the other departments. So I learned that from just like, going around talking to people. And then after a while, people knew what I wanted to do. So they started throwing me projects. So it was like ACDs who wanted to be creative directors would throw me like social stuff. There are designers who wanted to be art directors. So then we do spec work together. There are creative directors who had like extra time. So they'd go over that spec work. So it was like this great economy of people just like helping each other, like just kind people helping each other. And then my big break, I guess, are like the, the leap into creative was that I was working with a designer who wanted to be an art director, shout out Felton Brown, but he was working on a chase pitch or not a pitch. It was like, we were working to keep the brand. We had them. Um, so him and I came up with the platform together again, like literally on my off hours of working the receptionist desk, but we came up with a platform together and made it to the final three. It didn't make it, but it made it to the final three, which was we big for us. We were like, holy shit. But then the, the ECDs were like, 
you're on the team. So that was my, they moved me off the reception Amazing. desk and the, the, the team. How long did that take again? I mean, it was like a year and a half of me doing mm. that. That's I remember there good. was, yeah, it was, it wasn't bad. I just, it was like tiring sometimes. Cause like one day I remember Felton and I were like literally working until 3am, 4am. And I had to like straight up go back to Jersey. Cause I was still living with my parents, like essentially shower, get changed and then come right back in. Cause I had to be at the reception desk by 7.45am. Now this is, this is a break in tactic that we go over, you know, the foot in the door is definitely like, it's financially like you're going to get paid to be whatever the entry, whatever job you get receptionist. We often hear executive assistant. We often hear obviously the, you're getting paid, you have a job, and but you have to work really hard and you have to be hopefully in an agency where people are willing to help you out. So yes. you that that's super important. Not all people are like that at all agencies. You'll find the good people. It's about identifying those people. It can take a, it can take two to three to five years for some people. You obviously work super hard. You were able to expedite that to a year, year and a half, which is incredible. So the case for a two-year portfolio school where you would have paid 50, you know, 30 to 50 grand, you might've had more time. I mean, it might've been a little bit easier, but it would take more time. So it's just interesting to compare all the, those two different methods as traditional ad school versus, you know, breaking in through the receptionist route like that you did. If you can go yeah. back though, looking at that, like, what would you have done differently? Would you have done anything differently or just knowing what you know now? I don't, I don't think so. I feel like I like that I came up the hard way and I did have to kind of work for it. And I, and I liked the way I learned because it was like, I was popped into the center of the real world experience. And I felt like Eloise at the plaza. Like I literally would get off the desk at four and I would just walk around and absorb what was happening. And it was me learning about the advertising industry by literally watching it. For me, I don't know if I could do that. I just like my personality, and I don't know if I want to work that hard to, to for a job. Personally, <laughs> I, I, and I can say that now because I have a job. But I mean, I was, I mean, I was pretty hungry. But I don't know how many hours you worked, you know, combined with all of the the concepting and the creative process. But I know personally, like, I that would be tough for me, and I might have gotten burnt out early on. So. Do you think that you're just more determined or you just have, you just, you have the hustle mentality or like what you, you just loved it? I just loved it. And I feel like that's the thing. I love it. And I know it's hard. It's a hard industry and you work hard, but I love it. And I am a hard worker. I'm a person who doesn't like to, to sit still. I'm like mm. very, if even like on the weekends, if me and my boyfriend are sitting watching TV for too long, I'm like, let's go do something. Should we do this? Should we start a project? Should we go plan something? Like, I just have to, like, my brain, I don't know if you can tell, I'm pretty, like, high energy. My brain is, uh, like, it's always moving. So, I like it. Like, I'm, if, it's like a cattle dog. I feel like if, yeah. I, if I'm not working or moving or busy, I, I'm destructive. Like, something bad uh, is going to happen. I get that, too. I mean, I'm not, not <laughs> to that extent, but I, I definitely understand, like, what you're saying. So, that's that's important to know because your path is not directly applicable for everybody listening and you clarifying like that personality, your mentality that helps a lot. Cause then we don't have to tell everybody, Hey, you have, that's the only way, like that's the best way. That was your way, which exactly. is good for you. And 
if people out there can resonate with that and they're like, yeah, I do need to keep busy. I can work the extra hours I want to. Then you can bypass some of these paid options or look into the new one, ad house, in-house. Exactly. Um, That's what I'm trying to shortcut it for them. So people don't have, I, I'm happy for the way it worked out for me, but so people don't have to go through that. <laughs> That's why we have the program. Right. I love that. Interesting. So then, sorry. So back to the story, you, yeah. the ECDs were just like, all right, you made it to the top three, you're in, you're part of the creative team. What was that role? You're just a copyright, you're yeah. entry-level copywriter? Yeah. My first, my first copywriting job. I love it. I love it. And we, we cover it a lot there, just like with some of the lessons. So that's really important too. Then throughout the stint of your career leading up to where you're at today, I, as I glance through your LinkedIn, which everybody should have, obviously. You went to McGarry Bowen. You did a little freelance stint, senior copywriter back at Ogilvy, Mother New York, Joan. So you've been at creative agencies throughout your entire career. Yes, I've got, I've bounced from freelance to full time for, for the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is fair. I mean, mm -hmm. the, bouncing in and out of freelance, we see that all the time. Why though? What's the what was the rationale? You don't have to go through each time, but overall, why did you do that? And why do other people go from freelance to back to agency? Oh, I think for me, it's like if I go freelance, that means I'm like trying to figure something out. I'm like, okay, what do I want? Like what it's I I I really am trying to settle myself in to be like, okay, what do you want for the next step of your career? And it's freelance to me is okay, you're testing it out. You're testing sure. out like, do you want a small place? Do you want a big place? What kind of brands? What kind of experience? What's most important to you? Like, it's like, kind of like. Testing it. Yeah, exactly. That's smart. Okay, so let me dive into this then. So you went to McGarry Bow and then you went freelance. You did work at BBDO in Dubai. Interesting. Mm -hmm. What was the rationale there? You wanted to see. For that one, McGarry Bow I got laid off. Because we lost Chase. Yeah, we lost Chase. So there was like a massive layoff and I was one of them. But my, I, I literally was working two days after freelancing. I freelanced at an experiential shop and then I freelanced at, I feel like after McGarry Bowen, once I started freelancing, I was like, okay, let me see what advertising is outside of just traditional. Because mm -hmm. when I worked at McGarry Bowen, that was like, it was when, the agencies were actually divided by traditional and digital work. And I okay. worked traditional. So I was like, let me try to do something like new. So I did mm -hmm. experiential. I did at BBDO it was at atmosphere proximity and that was all digital. It was like putting together the Dubai tourism site, which was like extensive writing, which was like boot camp for me because nice. it was like 300 points of interest. And each one had to be, the 10 word version, the 25 word version, the 75 word version, the 200 word version. So it was like straight up like the best kind of practice for me at that point because I was still a junior. I was, I was mm. young. Yeah. So I did that. And then I did Ogilvy when I, I, I freelanced there first for this like experimental team called the newsroom for IBM. And it was essentially like their social team. But they treated it like a news beat. So I had IBM Cloud, but my partner and I, like legitimately every single day, we had to present to the client 10 pieces of content, then make it. So that was another kind of boot camp. It was Ooh, like, oh my God, cool. work fast. 
but you're also finding the stories. Was that George? That was that? well, George. So then I moved on to the brand team from from mm. the social team, and then that's when I worked with George. Love it. Mm-hmm. Love it. Okay. So we covered a lot. And now I just want to take the last five minutes to talk, give you the mic and maybe give out some lessons or anything you thought of before coming on this podcast. What's some piece of advice you would tell yourself or somebody that's looking to break in today? Yeah, I feel like looking to break in, I feel like put yourself out there. That's something that like, I feel like there's so many different platforms now, LinkedIn, social, like whatever, like whatever your creative passion is, whatever you're you're searching for, put yourself out there. I feel like there are people who want to help, even if it's on LinkedIn, asking a question, like, I don't know, like asking for a mentor, put the question out there. I feel like there are people like me, like George, like everyone who helped me at my Gary Bowen who want to help the next generation. So it never hurts to do that. And I feel like for me, I even do this now still. I'll be like, no, that's embarrassing. I don't want, you know, like you have all these kind of blockers for yourself, mm-hmm. but let them go. No one's going to judge you like that. And if they are, they're not for you. You'll find the good people. So that's one of them. For another one, I feel like especially when it comes to breaking in for creatives and like putting together a book, I feel don't be scared to do things differently than other people. And not only that, that's actually your strength. Because I feel like when I was coming in, like even like the first like briefs or the first projects I'd get, I'd look at other people's work when they're presenting and I'd shrink and I'd get so intimidated because I'd be like, mine doesn't look like that. My deck isn't like that. My write-ups aren't like that. Like I get so in my head about it. But then I realized doing it the way that I want to or doing it the different way is what makes you stand out. That's that's what yeah. you want. And that's why they hired you. Exactly. Bring that, that, that your POV. Like why would they want conformity and, and creative ideas? It just doesn't make any sense. Exactly. But it's hard to learn that. It's definitely hard to get past that for sure. For sure. Cause it's like a mental thing, you know, it's like you're, you're in your head about stuff mm-hmm. and then be nice to everyone. I feel like that's another thing. Be a like, you know, like always be kind. This is a small industry and you're going to run into people. So always be kind to the people you work with and the people you talk to. Cause I feel like that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Hard, that's hard for me sometimes too. I get pretty stressed out sometimes to snap at people. Sorry if I ever you snapped at you. Snap at people, but be like sorry that you know what I mean. Like it's, it's no, just I've, like I don't snap at people, <laughs> but I want to sometimes. All right, just you know, situations. I get yes. stressed out pretty easily. So for sure, we all do. The stressful. Yeah. Life. <laughs> yes, and then the, the the have you seen the pictures of the James Webb telescope? Like the yes. It's crazy. It's There's so much more out there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. All right, Steph, we covered a lot and I'm sure we could talk forever, but we covered a lot. So I'm really happy. Can people reach out to you if they have any other questions that they want to ask you about your program or your career or get even more in depth with? Yes, with, with of course. I welcome it. If anyone, if you're trying to break in and you're having some roadblocks or, you know, you, you have some obstacles, hit me up. I'll help you or and however I can. Great. Then we'll link the, the ways to find you and your recommended resources on our Instagram page at breaking and entering pod, all one word. So cool. Thanks, Steph. Great. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us and help us grow if you can just leave us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you have time to leave a small review, that's great too, but really that five stars will help us a lot. And be sure to connect with our guests. We want to help you break in. The way to do that is by going to our Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. All one word at breaking and entering pod on Instagram. There we have links to their portfolios and their LinkedIn and their secret resources, and they want to connect. So go do that. And some thank yous. Thank you to our creative and production team, Buchan Jung, Juan Camargo, and Mikey Malarkey. And our PR team, led by Nicole Tolochko and the AAF group from the University of Illinois. Thank you all so much, and we will see you next week with another amazing guest.